tonight. Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, just the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Uh, we've come to hear from you. We've come to uh, just allow you to have your way and speak and move and do what you want to do in us. So we give ourselves over to that. We give ourselves over to that process in our lives. And we ask God that you'd have your way tonight. I pray we'd have ears to hear. I pray that we'd have an open heart and open mind. And that, Father, whatever it is that you would have for us, uh, change or challenge or whatever it would be, we would be receptive to that and we would allow for uh, just that work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So tonight, thanks. Thanks for being here. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. You're in our midst. And so we pray again. Have your way. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. It could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Any volunteer? Read verse 5. Each person will have to carry their own load. Alright, thanks for reading that. As we've been going through the book of Galatians, we've done a few studies, a few Bible studies on that in recent weeks. Uh, one of the things that is a common topic in the book is that Paul's trying to help these people get free. Uh, There's a bunch of people in the church trying to turn them all into Jewish converts before they can become Christians. And so uh, they believed that 
they would have to, again, become proselytes, become Jewish before they could become Christian. So that meant that they would be subjected underneath the law. These are the Gentiles that were part of the church. And then at that point, they were able to become Christians. Well, Paul rejected that. And the Jerusalem Council, when they met, rejected that. And the church in general rejected that. But there's always zealots. There's always people that they, they get something in their head or they want to do something like that. And so they were uh, these people that were really pushing this agenda. And Paul's point with them, and he made the point over and over again, he's like, yeah, you couldn't keep the law. Why are you trying to make other people keep the law? And that was really the point. It's like, this doesn't work. This has never worked. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. It's not working for you right now. So stop. Stop this. Leave these people alone. They're coming into faith in Jesus. They're coming into knowledge of God. They're coming into a place where they're growing in Jesus. Stop this. Stop trying to harass them. Stop trying to make them and put a burden on them that they can't possibly carry. You need to stop doing this. And you need to experience the freedom that God offers, the freedom that Jesus offers, the freedom that the gospel offers. And so without reteaching the things that we've been talking about, that was the, that's a theme. That's one of the messages of the book of Galatians is that people need to learn how to live freely. And so as part of that message, you, you come to this part in Galatians 6, it's like, well, if we're going to live freely, if we're going to be free men, women, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? I mean, how do you live, and think about it, these people, most of them, some of them, that have been brought up in the Jewish faith, they had lived under rules and regulations their whole life. In other words, there was somebody telling them what to do. For every circumstance, there was a rule. They go, oh, I don't know what to do in this circumstance. Well, look it up. You find the rule, and you follow the rule. That's how they lived. And so they had this, this elaborate set of rules and regulations, some biblical, some extra-biblical. Some were written by the rabbis and, and by the, the leaders of their faith and stuff So over time. And so they had the biblical rules and they had the extra-biblical rules, but they had a ton of rules. And it's like, all right, well, if I get you know two ounces of mint, uh, how much do I need to put in you know, to the, the treasury, uh, to the temple? Well, 10% of two ounces. And so you got to do the math on that, figure it out. But it's a rule about it. And so you do that. Do I have to tie it on mint? Yes. Do I have to tie it on coriander seed? Yes. You know, there's a rule. So you can look it up and you can figure it out. Well, that was the Jewish side of the equation. You had the Gentile side of the equation that uh, they didn't live like that. And so there was a certain amount of not just freedom, but really a selfishness to their freedom. So in other words, I'm going to do what I want. And so that's what they went about doing. They did what they wanted to do. And so they were used to living that way. They were used to, they'd have an impulse. They'd have an idea. They'd have a desire. They'd have something they wanted to do. They'd just go do it to a certain extent. But that was built into the way they saw the world. That was built into the way that they related to the world around them. That was built into how they saw themselves. And so you've got these two sides of this. You've got the rule followers, and then you've got the people who weren't following the rules. And they were just all kind of messed up and doing things they shouldn't be doing and getting into trouble. So you got these two sides of, the, the, these two ways of living coming together as a church. And so that's, that's what Paul's writing to. That church of the rule followers and the non-rule followers. 
And so he's going to describe to them in these verses, in these chapters here, about, well, how do you actually live? Because you got the one group of people, they're like, well, we just look up the rule book and it tells us. And there's a certain amount of comfort in that for some people. Then you got the other people, like, we don't care, we do what we want. And so somehow, they were going to have to learn how to live together. Somehow. Somehow, they were going to have to learn some kind of a balance to see, okay, what, how is it that we're going to go about life? Not only how is it we're going to go about life as individuals, but how are we going to go about life together? What does that look like? What's that going to be like? And so in these verses, and you can read above Galatians 6.5 and below it a little bit, you kind of see that, and you begin to see Paul addressing some of these issues. And in this verse here in Galatians 6.5, it's kind of an interesting verse because it follows a different verse. Go If you read verse 2, somebody read verse 2 of Galatians 6. Good, now read verse 5. All right. Now, do you see do you see like there's a little bit of a rub here? See, that's the rub. That's the rub of living freely. And there's always a rub to it. Because there's not a rule to follow. It doesn't just not just a rule, it doesn't say, okay, this do this. Well, he's talking about two different circumstances there. There's two different things going on. And if you just read one verse and read the other, it sounds like they're contradictory or they're fighting each other. They're not really fighting each other. Because in context, you look at the first verse, it's like bearing one another's burdens. That's talking about people that have kind of fallen off the wagon. That's people that have succumbed to some kind of a sin and, and that they're in, in trouble. And so Paul's saying to them, like, hey, you need to take care of each other. You need to care about each other. You need to help each other. And when you find out your brother, your sister, somebody... They, they've gone off and they, they're, they're messed up because of decisions they made, whatever it is, you've got to be willing to help them up and out of that. So that's the one side of it. Right? But then he goes down in verse 5, talking about something else. He's like, but each one of us needs to be ready, willing, and able to carry our own burden. In other words, you're responsible for your own actions. So you can be responsible for your own actions, but still need help sometimes. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? That those things, even if they appear to be kind of in conflict with one another, that's really life. Is that we live together, and when we live together, there's times we need help, and then there's times that we give help. And the issue becomes... Isn't so much, it's like, well, well, will I ever need help? Of course you're going to need help. The issue becomes, okay, well, is your freedom then a selfish freedom? Or is it a freedom as God intended it? That we're free to love Him, we're free to love one another, we're free to live our lives. And if it's not going to be a selfish kind of freedom, then we're going to be available willing and able to help one another if we slip and we fall or something overtakes us or if we find ourselves in dire straits. Now, if, if somebody falls and they, 
they find themselves in dire straits. The argument is never, and, and I want you to hear me on this because it's kind of an important point. The argument is never, is it their fault? That's not a good argument. I mean, they're responsible for their own actions. And they're responsible for what they're responsible for. But the real question becomes, well, how can I best help them and serve them in the situation that they find themselves in? You can always assign blame. Or you can always excuse behavior. And I don't think either one of those things is very healthy most of the time. If someone's in trouble, they need help. You know, we have... I, I, most of you know I rode an ambulance for like, I don't know, a bunch of years. Either rode an ambulance or was part of a fire company, I think for about 16 years, the EMT. We didn't arrive on the scene and try to figure out whose fault it is. We just arrived on the scene to help the person. Figuring out whose fault it is or whatever it is, that's for other people to worry about. That ain't what I was worried about. We're worried about helping people that are in trouble. And I believe as the body of Christ, we need to look at situations like that, even if we know the person. Even if we know the person, I think we need to look at it and say, okay, well, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I lift this person out of this pit they've fallen into? How can I help this person that's so weak they can't even stand up? What can I do? Right? But that's how we help one another. So I want to just place that in your mind as a part of our freedom. And I also want to place in your mind that you're going to carry your own burden too. And you're responsible for your life. And if you need help, you need help. Somebody comes and helps you, thank God. But all of us have a responsibility. And I'm not trying to alleviate that at all. I'm not trying to, to say, hey, yeah, you know, things happen, whatever. We need to take responsibility for our own actions. We need to take responsibility for our own lives. And I know all of you are adults, and you've been told this, you know this. And all I can say about that is, well, then let's live it. That's what I'm going to say about it. Let's live it. And part of that's not blaming. Part of that's not trying to cast blame on people. Part of that's not trying to find fault in people and make ourselves feel better. You know what I'm talking about. If someone is worse off than you, you feel better about you. Stop. 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 Right. Yeah, that, that's great. But that doesn't help. What helps is when we just take responsibility for who we are and what's happened, and we move from there. Something need to change? Change it. You can't do it on your own? Ask for help. But that's how this is going to be lived out. That's what freedom is. It's not freedom to be selfish. It's freedom to serve, to love, to care for, to grow together, and to be together in community. That's what the freedom has been given to us for. So in this passage, it talks about this. Uh, in one version of the Bible that I had, it says this, we are each responsible for our own conduct. That was one version where it said that. In another version, it says, every man shall bear his own burden. In another version, they replace the word burden with a similar word, but it means something slightly different, and that's the word load. 
Every man shall bear his own load. And the word that's used there is often used, uh, at least in biblical times, was often used of a pack, a small pack that a, a soldier would carry. That was his load. But he was expected to be able to move with that. He was expected to be able to, to get around and do what he needed to do with that pack on him. And it had just necessary things in it that he would need. And so you see that word, just to give you some context for it, in Matthew 11.30, if somebody wants to look up Matthew 11.30. Yeah, you see that, that word burden there? That's the same word for load. And Jesus was describing what he's given us to carry. He says, my yoke is easy. And he says, my burden, my load is light. So if we find ourselves in Jesus, which I hope we have, then the burden, the load that we're being told that we carry, each man, each person, must bear his own load. Well, we know that the load that Jesus gives us is light, but it's still ours. It's still ours to carry. It's still ours to bear. It's still ours to take. And so that same word is being used there. Now, the word in, that was used in verse 2, I had you read verse 2. What did it say? Verse 2. All right, that word for burden there is a different word. And that word for burden there means something that's heavy. That's something heavy. In other words, that's something that person can't carry all by themselves. Now, ultimately, who's the big burden bearer? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the big burden bearer. And so when we help somebody, and I know that we're called to, Help somebody? We are fulfilling what the Bible says, fulfilling the law of Christ. Now, there's a little bit of a joke there. You didn't get it. But there's a joke that Paul's people might have gotten in their day. Paul's been going off this whole letter about the law, right? And so he's been telling them, it doesn't work. You can't fulfill it. You can't, you can't bear it. You haven't been able to keep the law. Why are you forcing it on other people? There's a new thing that God is doing. You need to let that go. You need to forget about that. And then he uses the word here. Right? He's like, you want to fulfill the law? Why don't we fulfill the law of Christ? And that's the joke. And it's like, if you got it, you got it, you got it. Fulfill the law. Here's one for you to fulfill. Bear one another's burden. And so he was leaving that on them. He was just saying, okay, you, we bear the burdens of others. You think about the idea of bearing your own load. If your yoke is easy, your burden is light, that's, that's what Jesus said. Well, if we choose to live in that light, in that easy, that Jesus gives us, all right, then we're happy. If you choose to not live in that, 
that yoke is easy and that burden is light, you, you choose something else. Like you choose the hard yoke. And let's say you choose the heavy burden. That leads to misery. But that's your choice. We're being offered a way to live. We're being offered something that's awesome. We're being offered something that is easy and light and, and leads to happiness. And it's our choice when we say, nah, I want it hard and heavy. Well, and then you're upset because you're miserable. Right. Right. So you have to choose which you're going to carry. Because every person has to bear his own load. Get it? You choose. I don't know about you, but I want to choose the light one and the easy one. I don't want the heavy one. And I don't want the hard one. But it's my choice. And I've got to make that choice as an individual. I'm the one. You're the one. You've got to make that choice. Nobody makes you make any choice in this. Each person must bear their own load. So you look at the choices, all right? You go ahead, look at your choices, think about it, and then pick one. I'm good on that? And if you pick hard and heavy, I think that's a bad choice, <laughs> just to be clear. It's a poor choice. But we're here to help. And that's why you can't judge that. You follow what I'm saying? Oh, they did that to themselves. Well, of course they did. We all do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's exactly what happens every time. There's no mystery in that. There is no mystery in that. So, so that, that's not really the issue. That's not the question. That's not what we're trying to figure out here. It's looking at it and say, well, they made a poor choice. Well, of course they did. Let's help. Let's help. Because there may come a day where they don't make that choice. They may. And that's a great day for them. That's a great day for the individual who looks at their choices one day clearly and says, I want easy and light. Yeah, instead of hard and heavy. That's a great day. But until that day, let's help. Let's help. When Paul writes things like this, he does it on purpose. Where he says, help bear one of those burdens, every man must bear his own burden. You look at that and it's like, What? He just said two different things. Well, he does that to draw attention. He wants to awaken our attention to it and force a reconciliation, which is what we're doing tonight. Do you understand that? We're reconciling statements because life isn't black or white, high or low, hot or cold. It's a lot of things, but not just two polar opposites. It's not high or low. It's something else. 
And so Paul is making this kind of a, a logical statement in order to awaken us to reconcile that, because it needs to be reconciled. And so the idea behind that is that we need to reconcile this in our own lives. That we can be burden bearers to help others, but we're responsible for our own. Yeah. So each of us, then, has to answer this question directly. Each of us. Like, I can't answer it for you. You It's like, you know, you're on, let's make a deal, or you're on the price is right, and they want you to make a choice. You've got to make the choice. People in the audience can yell all they want, but you've got to speak into the mic, and you've got to make the choice. Yeah, do you want what's behind the door, or do you want what's behind the curtain, or behind the box, or whatever it is, Right? And so people yell and they'll say, all right, yeah, take the, the box or whatever. Right, and, and you can choose, to, who do you listen to? Who's loudest? I don't know. But you listen, or you're looking for, you know, maybe you got a ringer in there that always gets it right. And so you're listening for their, I don't know. But you're listening to somebody, but that person, that person that has the mic up to their face has to make the choice. You have to make the choice. And that's between you and God. But you have to make it. And so, no matter how many voices are yelling, no matter how many people are trying, no matter how many people have opinions about it, no matter how many people are trying to get you one way or the other, you've got to make the choice on it. You're the one. You're on the spot. you got the mic in your face. you got to say something. You can't just stand there and not say anything. Which I know some of you, that's your technique, but you can't do that. <laughs> you can't. So you must say something. I don't know if you've ever watched any of those shows. Nobody stands there and doesn't say anything. they got to say something. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they may hesitate, but they got to say something. I mean, they're not going to let them stand there for half an hour while the rest of the show ticks off. So they're going to say something one way or the other. They're going to make a decision. And so they make their decision, that's it. If it's a good one, good. If it's not a good one, whatever. They make their decision, they live with the consequences. If you picked what was behind the box, and it ends up being a big St. Bernard or something, you don't want a St. Bernard, you wanted the car, but that was behind the curtain, guess what you get? You get the St. Bernard, because that's what you got. Or whatever it would be. You know, maybe it's a Swin bicycle, but you wanted the Corvette, all right? You get the bicycle, that's it. You made your decision, all right? And so maybe we help you with rides in the wintertime, especially because it's cold. <laughs> you following the story here? All right. So, so we all stand before, well, I really went deep on that. I didn't mean to go that deep. We all stand before God, and we have to really answer, give him an answer for where it is we're going. It's an individual responsibility. And... And part of that, there's a couple reasons why God requires that. But one reason why God requires that is that he wants us to really understand who we are. He doesn't want us to have an improper impression of who we are. He wants us to really know who we are. Somebody go to, or in verse 5, go to verse 4, read that. 
Yeah. So in other words, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. And that's part of the plan. That's part of the plan of God. That's why you bear an individual responsibility too. Now I know people don't like this. We like songs that say we and us. And, and we like to pray we and us prayers. And, and we like to, to do things like together we and us. And there's good parts about that in the body of Christ. And there's a togetherness in the body of Christ. But there's big decisions that are made, big decisions that we come to, big decisions that are required of us, that it's just the decision of an individual before their God. And we have to recognize that. And as many songs, as many times we're going to worship with we and us, the fact of the matter is we stand as an individual before God and we are responsible for our own actions. We're responsible for our own decisions. If we chose the bike, we get the bike. And maybe we'll get a different choice down the road and we can choose a, a different one. And maybe we'll make a different choice the next time. But the choice we make today is a choice that we're going to live with. Because that's what it is. Because that's freedom. That's what freedom is. You make your choices. And what God does is He provides people to help when we make bad choices. And so that's the grace and that's the work of Christ. That's the law of Christ at work in us is that when we help somebody, when it's their fault, well, it's always their fault. I mean, you can say, well, they didn't ask for A, B, or C, or whatever. Yeah, our responses, though, are our fault. They're our responsibility. And so because our, our, our responses are our responsibility, that we stand in that. And so you, you can say there's certain circumstances that isn't the person's fault. That's okay. I understand that. But how many choices are our fault? Of course, lots. And it's like, we're going to help that person? Yeah. Did Jesus love us while we were yet sinners? Yeah. Did He die on the cross for the whole world and while everybody was still yet a sinner? Yeah, He did. He so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. That's what the Father did. And Jesus died for us, and we didn't even know Him. Most people on the face of the earth didn't care about Him. He still died for them. Now, is the fact that they made a decision not to care about Him, is that their fault? I would argue, yes, it is. They made their decisions. They were living in their decisions. Then you got Jesus dying for them. For what? For life, hope, salvation. Like I said, He's the big burden bearer. And so what we do is we participate with, in Him with that by helping one another out. Ultimately, He sets us free. Ultimately, He heals us. Ultimately, He leads us. Ultimately, He guides us. Ultimately, He looks out for us. Ultimately, He brings peace and rest and all the rest of that. What's our part in that? Whatever we can do. Whatever we're called to. We help. We encourage. We sympathize. We, we take people to the store if they need to. We get stuff for them if we need to. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we do this. But as a result of whatever the, the problem is, they got something too heavy, they can't carry it, Let's help. So what keeps us from bearing each other's burdens? So just think about that for a second. What, what gets in the way of us bearing each other's burdens? Well, we get swallowed up. What I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is there's, there's times where people have got problems or whatever the issue is, 
And when somebody goes to help them, they get swallowed up in the same thing. It just happens. I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen where, you know, you got a, we had somebody say that was part of our group on a campus. This was years and years ago, but they go, oh, we're going to help this guy. He's really, he's really been overtaken by drugs. All right. Well, be careful. You know, he immersed himself into that culture, immersed himself to go get that guy, ended up in the culture himself with his own issues. He got swallowed up. In in Paul's day, the issue was idolatry. And if he were trying to help people with idolatry, they get swallowed up by it. Whatever the case may be, you look at that and it's like, all right, so that's an issue. That's something that could happen. That's something that does happen. And ultimately, that keeps us from bearing one another's burdens because then we take on a burden we can't carry. We certainly can't help somebody else. The other thing that keeps us is when and it's part of that equation is when we get conceited about our own strengths and our own goodness. And and that's a real problem. It's like, well, I'm going to help this person. They've got a really judgmental attitude. Yeah, watch out. Because you might have the judgmental attitude too. Especially if you have a weakness in that area. Or whatever it might be. It's like we get conceited about our own goodness and we find ourselves falling into the same issue. There is no moral superiority in any of this. And you got to really get that in your head. you got to get it in your heart, your head, your spirit, that there is no moral superiority in any of this. We're going to help people. Why? Because they need help. You don't have to learn them anything. You don't have to somehow convert them or anything. You just need to help them. Because they got a burden, they got a load they can't carry. So we're going to help them carry it. And when you're helping people carry a load and, and you help them, they get out of that situation and they just find themselves in another situation. That's frustrating. Can you imagine how frustrating you are to Jesus? <laughs> no, really. I mean, it's like, all right, well, we'll get him out of this thing, this jam. Oh, look at him again. Wow. And that does happen. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at your own life, and I'm not going to try to make up a story here, but you look at your own life, and it's like, all right, well, all right, so, yeah, I'm doing better in this area. Boom. Whatever just happened. I'm made aware of, or I see myself, or I find myself in another situation. That's frustrating. Yeah, right. Well, if we're going to share in burden bearing with Jesus, get used to it. Because he's been frustrated over you for a long time. And so we're learning grace and we're learning mercy and we're learning love kind of Jesus' way. Jesus' love, Jesus' mercy, Jesus' grace that, yeah, it's frustrating. But that love and that mercy and that grace needs to be bigger than that because thank God it's bigger in Jesus' heart for us than the frustration is. And so we, we, if we're going to begin to share in that nature which is, I think, what we're talking about here, that we're experiencing freedom, and this is how freedom is lived out, then we're going to share in that nature. I think that's the kid that crashed into the, into the chain last... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's out on the road doing wheelies. All right. You can leave that. 
adds a little spice to it. <laughs> and if you hear a crashing sound later, you'll know what it is. All right. So, so if we're going to live it out and we're going to actually take on some of the nature of Jesus, well, this is the spot where that happens, or one of those spots. And so we're going to love each other, we're going to help each other, and part of that is working through the frustration of it happening over and over again, because it's gonna, especially with things like addictions, things are going to happen over and over again. Those things are just going to happen. And and I could go into other examples of that. Like you, if you've ever worked with, um, and not to touch too many raw ends here, but if you ever worked with uh, someone who's been abused, all right, there's something very frustrating about that. Because you can help them, you can get them out of the situation, you can counsel them, you can pour into them, you can love them, and then they'll make a decision to go back with the abuser. And then they'll get abused again, and then you can help them, you're going to help them again, you're going to love them again, you're going to pray healing over them again, you're going to do whatever you can do for them, and then they decide to go back with the abuser. And this process continues. It's frustrating. But again, so are you. And so this is the life that Jesus calls us to because it's the life that actually allows us to share in his nature. And I want to share in his nature. And if it's a little frustrating, well then it's a little frustrating. It's worth it to share in his nature. That's part of the lesson. Part of the lesson is overcoming frustration in order to love people, in order to care for people, in order to serve people. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying everybody does it. I'm just saying that's what we're called to. That's part of living in freedom with one another, is to be willing to do that. As I said before, Jesus is the great burden bearer. And so we participate with him in serving others to fulfill the law of Christ. Because he's the mediator. He's the mediator. So all relationships, they're going to be anything ever, are going to be mediated through Jesus. That's what's going to happen. Because those relationships are the ones that are eternal. And there's lots of people, they want to have all these direct relationships with people. Like, I just want to directly, there is no direct relationship that's eternal. The only direct relationship we have that's eternal is with Jesus. And every other relationship that we ever have will be mediated through Him if it's going to be an eternal relationship. And, and as far as I'm concerned, as far as I understand, those are all the best relationships. are the ones that are mediated by Christ. That, that when we try and we attempt those direct relationships, the world is attempting direct relationships. And it's failing at, at a fabulous rate. I mean, just, it's It's, it's amazing. And how much those kind of relationships just fail. Because Jesus is the grace. Jesus is the mercy. Jesus is the love. 
Jesus is the patience. Jesus is the long-suffering. Jesus is all the stuff that holds relationships together. And if we're not mediating our relationships through Him, we're missing a lot of components that are going to keep those relationships together and meaningful. And so we need to allow Him to mediate those relationships. I want to encourage you tonight. Is like just don't, don't allow selfishness, which is fairly common. Don't allow selfishness to rob you of this shared life. Because selfishness will rob you of your freedom. Selfishness will rob you of relationships with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus and relationships with one another. And so I can only encourage him to not allow that to happen. Now part of our decision making, and I told you we stand before God to make our decision. Part of our decision making about choosing, we're going to take the heavy and the hard, we're going to take the easy and the light. Well, that plays into what I'm talking about, selfishness here. You want to do what you want to do. You can call it that, but you're choosing heavy and hard when you do that. And after you do it a number of times, you choose selfishness. After you do it a number of times, you choose what you want. You choose when you want, what you want, all the rest of that kind of stuff. You find out it just doesn't work out the way you thought it would. And hopefully over time, you realize that's the hard and heavy. That's the bad. That's stuff you don't want. That's the life that you're not looking for. That's the burden that, that really pins you down, and there's no freedom in that at all. And so after a time, it, it comes to us like, I want the light and the easy. I want to live freely. I want to love each other. I want to love God. I want to live freely. And that's really the decision, the decision. As far as I'm concerned, it really sets us free. God never said that we'd never have to do anything. He didn't say that. He didn't say that's part of our role here or anything else. We have a part in the world that we live in. I mean, He's training us to rule and reign in the new heavens and the new earth. And if you're going to rule and reign, you're going to have responsibility, you're going to lead well, then you're going to have to learn how to serve. And this is a great training program for getting through frustration, getting through working with people. Working with people is really frustrating. <laughs> and if you ever work with people, like, I mean, really, you know, just directly work with people, it's really frustrating. And, and it's just the way it is. Because God made us the way we are, and that's it. I don't know how to explain it. There's no excuse for it. There's no reason to excuse it. It's just what it is. It's a fact. And so God works with each one of us. And that's just a frustrating endeavor. Jesus works with you intimately every day. That's a frustrating endeavor. And so then He calls us to work with one another and experience just a little bit, or maybe a lot, of that kind of frustration. And to love people anyway. Can you understand why that's training? Do you get it? 
Do you understand why that helps us to grow? Do you understand how that helps us to mature? Do you understand how that helps us to become more like Jesus in some little way? That by sharing in burden with him and by bearing one another's burdens, helping one another, working through the frustration, finding the mercy, finding the grace, finding the love, and getting out there and doing it, how that sharing is sharing in his nature and is growing into him which is what we're called to do. I mean, it's easier just to stagnate. That's easy. You want to stay right where you're at? Then don't do anything. I mean, you'll regress, but you can at least in your mind just stay where you're at. But that's unacceptable in the body of Christ. We're called to grow. We're an organism. We're living. We're living tissue. And... Yeah, it's like I had a chemistry teacher in high school, 11th grade chemistry, Mrs. Staff, who looked like Yoda. And she, I mean, really looked like Yoda. And she used to say this all the time. She's like, when you stop changing, you die. And she was talking about something totally different. I mean, I don't think she was prophesying any spiritual truth to us or anything. Although if she had the right voice for Yoda, it might have come across that way, but... I, I don't think so. And I don't think she was a great teacher either. I barely made it through her class. But anyway, that's another story. Anyway, um, but she'd say that, and it always stuck with me. It's like, you change, you got to change. You got to grow. You got to become. There's got to be some movement. Or you're just going to die. And so this is part of that movement that God's given us. This is part of how he teaches us and how... He shares his nature with us. And so I want you to think about I want you to think about rejoicing and sorrow. Okay, there's a couple of different human emotions. Rejoicing and sorrow. And we're gonna make decisions in our life and at least partially, if not ultimately. Our rejoicing and our sorrow will be according to what we have wrought. And so, if we find ourselves with something too heavy, in other words, we're on the sorrow side of things, thank God we've got some people to come and help us carry it. On the other hand, if we're on the rejoicing side of it, let's keep our eye open for somebody that we can help carry something. Because whether or not we're on the helping side or the needing helping side, it's all part of the same process. It's the process of growth. It's the process of life. That's why I'm always careful. Why well, judge somebody? You know, you look at somebody, oh, man, they really got themselves in a pickle now. Yeah, you might be in the pickle next. And that's the bad thing. You know, it's like, is is believers and is is just humans you look at people and it's like there ain't no room to judge them you've either been there or you're heading there and i hate to say that but i mean it's the truth you've either been in that place of sorrow with that burden on you or you're heading there somehow whether you want to believe that or you don't you are 
and you're going to need the help. So why judge the person you're helping now? Because you're going to be in the same position. So I look at this passage here, and I'm just going to close with this. I look at this passage here, and this passage really is just talking about how to live. It's how to live freely. How to live outside of rules and regulations and having to look it up in a book. Now I mean, do I, you know, what needs to happen? It's a, it's a huge leap for people to live freely. And people resist it actively. Certain sections of Christianity will resist this idea of living freely. There's been lots of times where, you know, I'll talk about Jesus' teachings and people get mad at me. Mad at me. For just quoting Jesus. Yeah, I'll never forget, and I've, talked, I've told this story before, but I was talking about, I, was, I, was, I feel where it wasn't even preaching, I was talking to somebody, an older couple. And I started talking about Jesus, and now he said, you know, it's not from the outside that people get defiled. It's not the stuff that goes into you that defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart. You see, it's in the heart where all this defiling is, and it's what comes out of you that's going to defile you. People get all worried about what's coming in, or people all worried about what's on the outside. Jesus said that's not the problem. That's not the defilement. Defilement's in you. And so something you need to change. Stop worrying about the stuff on the outside and get down to what needs to change in you. And I remember the woman that I was talking to, she looked at me, she's like, you be careful with that. <laughs> Yes, I'll be careful. That's all right. It's just not how I'm going to live. Okay? I'm not going to live that way. And I'm not going to live trying to figure out what's all out here and controlling that. I don't have any control over that. But you know what I can affect? In here. Yeah. And that's the process. That's the process that Jesus has for us. Is changing in here, right in here. So I'm going to leave that with you. I'm going to encourage you tonight. I'm going to pray for you that when decisions come up, how are you going to live? And I know I've made it simple, and hopefully it's simple enough. You ready? Easy and light, hard and heavy. All right. If we're not talking music, I want easy and light. <laughs> no, I mean, forget the music, but life itself, I want, I want easy and light. Now, music, I'll take a little hard and heavy, but that's okay. Not what we're talking about tonight. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Thank you. And so I encourage you. I hope I made that simple enough. You guys, simple enough? All right. Let's pray. Father, thanks for, uh, I just thank you for your love, and I thank you, God, for your patience. And I thank you, God, that even our lives that are up, down, good, hard, easy, whatever, uh, you do a work in us, and we head back to something else, and we repeat the same things. I mean, 
it's frustration. And I just want to say thanks that you love us that much. I want to say thanks that you love us to, and you're patient enough and you're long-suffering enough with us that even when we go back, as a dog returns to his vomit, that when we go back, you still love us, you still care for us, and you're still there for us. And I just thank you for that. I thank you for your persistent love. And I thank you that you are persistent in your love and your care for us. And I pray, God, that as we stand before you as individuals, I pray, I, I just pray to make the choice. Your yoke is easy, your burden is light. We got that choice. I pray we make that choice. I pray we consistently make the choice that your yoke is easy and that your burden is light. And that's what I want. That's what I want. And I pray, God, that you will create in us a drive and a heart that is persistent to love and to help the people around us. That we have a love in us that is persistent to get through the frustration, persistent to get through whatever it is that would keep us from actually caring for somebody, actually loving somebody, actually helping somebody. I pray whatever needs to happen in us would happen and that we would be a people that would just be persistently loving the people around us, caring for the people around us, taking care of the people around us, helping the people around us when they picked up way too much more than they could carry. And so God, I, I just ask that we know your nature, that we would begin to take on your nature in our lives. pray our hearts would change, that our minds would change. I just pray you're raising up your people that love each other. Yeah, I pray for that. I pray for people around here that love each other, that care for each other, that are helping each other, that are living in freedom. So God, I thank you that from the start, it was your desire to make this place a place of freedom. And I thank you that whatever 20 years later, we're still talking about freedom. And we're still experiencing freedom. And I just give you thanks for that. I pray we'll guard that. And I pray we'll continue to live in it. Yeah. I give you thanks tonight. Make your choices. Make your choices. Make your choices. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, bless you guys. Good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming. We'll see you again. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm -hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. 
Oh man, my cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the comunidad. Well, see, a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we we homies. Yeah. 